Every day, I am getting one step closer to having another healthy baby, and Caraway Home is helping me do that. Their ceramic, naturally slick surface cookware allows you to cook with minimal butter. Uh, they're very easy to clean, just a little warm water, you wipe it down. And the best part is, is that Caraway products are made without any toxic materials like BFASs, BTFEs, and a bunch of other things like I can't even pronounce. So you don't have to worry about that. Um, right now, visit Caraway wayhome.com slash TSFS to take advantage of this limited time offer for 10% off your next purchase. This deal is exclusive to my Sarah Fraser Show listeners. So visit carawayhome.com slash TSFS or use code TSFS at checkout. Caraway, non-toxic cookware made modern. It's time for you to see what all the fuss is about, read about their five-star reviews and why so many TSFS fans buy Caraway Home. Order now. I just had a fabulous listener email me and she said, Sarah, does Nutrafol work for men too? You better believe it. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement for men and women with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with less shedding. Hello, me included. Nutrafol changed my life post-baby and postpartum hair. Amazing. Also, a lot of women going through menopause say that Nutrafol works for them as well. And like I mentioned, it works for the fellas. Take the first step right now to visibly thicker, healthier hair for a limited time. Nutrafol is offering my TSFS listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and you enter the promo code TSFS. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hair care stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code TSFS. That's Nutrafol.com, promo code TSFS. Tonight, only on Disney Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift, the Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Streaming tonight, only on Disney+. Plus. All right, Natasha, we're back. And, I, and I'm so excited. David Rubin is here. You all have been introduced to him over the past couple of months. David has been a family law attorney for nearly 30 years in Maryland. Um, you can go to his website, mdlaws.com. People already have been, David. We love to hear this. You've given free consultations. You've taken on new clients from Natasha, Alisa, and myself. We That makes us so happy. So you're resonating with people, and today you are here to answer. We, we Natasha and I have been posting for the past couple of weeks. Ask us anything. You can ask David anything if you're getting divorced, you want to renegotiate, your child custody agreement, you're separating from a difficult divorce, difficult spouse, because that is your expertise, David. So David Rubin is here to answer all your questions. Good morning. Good morning. David, so excited to have you. I I mean, don't tell our other sponsors this, just keep this between between you and I, but you're my favorite sponsor that we have on. <laughs> I'm sure you said that to all your sponsors. <laughs> it's such good advice. Like when I posted a clip from our last podcast, it like practically went viral because it's exactly what women need to hear. They need a lawyer that's going to be straightforward with them and tell them what to do with their, you know, often jackass of an ex. So 
Okay. okay. Well, Let's I'm happy to answer any questions that you have or any of your, your listeners have. Anytime. So hard. Well, Natasha, why don't you kick us off? Because you got some some good ones, um, and then I'll get into mine. Yeah, I got some really good ones. Um, a couple of them wanted to re- remain anonymous, which, of course, makes sense. If your ex is listening to this, you don't want to give them your playbook. But um, one of them, one of the ones that I really liked was um, if I'm filing for divorce and I'm still living in the marital home, like both of our names are on the deed, can I get him to leave? And how can I get him to leave so I can stay in the house with the kids? Okay. So good question. And it's there's there's a lot to this. First of all, you in Maryland, you have to have grounds for divorce in order to legally file something with the court. So you can't just file to file and say, now I want to divorce. You have to have grounds. What's really interesting about this question is that just in the last week or two, the Maryland legislature is thinking about changing the laws for the better that allows people to file for divorce legitimately. We've had some other ways to do it in the past with sleeping in separate bedrooms and things like that, but they don't, they aren't really under legal. So the, in order to file for divorce in Maryland, you have to have grounds for divorce. Grounds for divorce can be adultery. You can, you can file for divorce if you're living under the same roof, if you have grounds for adultery. We also have something called mutual consent divorce, which is relatively new, which allows people to file for divorce if they've agreed on everything. But the large majority of the phone calls, unfortunately, that I get are, we're not getting along. I want him to leave. He won't leave. He makes more money than me. What do I do? First question is, is there domestic violence? If there's domestic violence, yes, you absolutely Call the police when there's domestic violence, put him or her out of the house based on what we call a protective order. Usually, however, it's not, which is good. There's not domestic violence. It's verbal and emotional abuse, which of course can be worse than domestic violence, um, physical domestic violence. We all know that. But what do I do to get this person out of the house? And the answer is there's not much you can do at this time to do that. We have cruelty of treatment and vicious conduct. That's a really high standard. Um, in Maryland to prove that. And again, that kind of goes along with physical abuse. So if there's no physical abuse and you own the house together, it's very difficult to get somebody out. And that's why, and and I've been helping um, a group of family law lawyers convince the legislature down in Annapolis to have what we call a six month separation, but we're defining separation. Whereas right now it's under separate roofs, meaning living in separate houses, not in separate bedrooms. We're trying to redefine that as living in separate bedrooms within the same home and acting as a non-married couple. And if you can prove that, you can file for divorce and begin the process. Um, So the answer to your question is not really. You can't really file for divorce while you're still living in the home. And it's a really difficult situation. So I I can continue to answer. So what people ask me is, well, what do I do? What can I do? Am I just stuck here forever? Am I stuck here forever? And the answer is... Well, you can move out. And they say, well, I I can't do that financially. And they also say, well, wouldn't that be abandonment? And the answer is no, it wouldn't be abandonment. There's nothing wrong with moving out if you're in a terribly, you know, emotionally, verbally, mentally abusive situation. You move out whenever you want, if you have the wherewithal to do that. But if you move out and you want custody of your kids, you better take your kids with you. I've had women in the past and, you know, mostly women, not always, but mostly women say, well, I'm going to move out for a couple months, stay with my mom. And when I get myself situated, I'll come back and get the kids. 
don't ever do that. Because even though the father might say, oh, don't worry about it, we'll share custody down the road, go ahead and move out, you better believe there's going to be a complaint filed once you leave the home. He wants custody and it's going to be looked at. Well, you left you. You can't say he's abusive because you just left him in the home. So you wow. have to be careful. But That's the answer, what abandonment would be if you leave and don't take your kids that you're abandoning. I mean, kids. yeah, you, it, it's it's more like a, a Webster's Dictionary definition for the word abandonment. It, it, we don't really use that word abandonment in the law, but everybody says, wouldn't they get me for abandonment? And the answer is if you leave the home. What are you saying about what are in the best interest of the children and why are you leaving the home kind of thing? So just you always want to talk to a lawyer before you decide to leave the home. If you're in a situation where the spouse won't leave the home, there are things you can do. Write them a letter, make some threats, um, you know, do whatever you can do to at least get the situation where somebody might be forced to leave or something like that. A horrible thing I'll say is some people say, well, what, what if he hits me? Well, I don't want him to hit you, but if he hits you, well, but but it was just a push. But, you know, it was just a, a touch on the arm. He just blocked my way in getting in a bedroom or, you know, something like that. And and the answer is, no, that's an assault. It doesn't have to be a, all assaults are serious, but it doesn't have to be a ultra violent assault or anything like that. You know, if, he, if there's any amount of domestic violence, whether it's a, a simple second degree assault, whether it's a threat and your imminent fear of bodily injury, you have to call the police and you have to put that person out of the house. Um, and they say, well, it happened three months ago. What do I do? And the answer is it doesn't mean that it didn't happen. It did happen. Um, but it's much more difficult to file three months later because the point of a protective order is, you know, in that sense is to protect you. And the theory is, unless you really understand abuse, being an abused woman, the theory is, well, how could you stay in the home for the last three months if he assaulted you three months ago? Yeah. And the answer is, of course, it's very difficult to leave under all those circumstances. Mm. So I know I went on a tangent again. I apologize. <laughs> no, that's okay. It's it's question. So if you do um, <clears throat> leave, and let's say you can go stay with a friend or your mom, or maybe you right. have the, um, the means to get an apartment, and you have children, you can take your children with you? Like, I Absolutely. always like, is that kidnapping? No, it's definitely not kidnapping. Now your uh, mentally abusive narcissistic spouse is going to say, I'm going to get you for kidnapping, and I'm going to call the federal authorities, and you're going to go to jail. And, you know, that will keep people, they don't call a lawyer, that'll keep them there for years. That's, none of that happens. Um, you have to make sure that it's in the children's best interest to do what you're doing, weighing all the behaviors. You know, if you move to a different school district in their school age and you don't get them to school, that's not good. So it has to be the right circumstances. But no, leaving in and of itself, if you're even if you're not in a bad people are allowed to get divorced. No judges hold anything against anyone for wanting to get a divorce for the purposes of, hey, I'm just not happy anymore. You've got to do what is best for the children if you're anticipating a custody battle. And that's always taking them with you or attempting to reach an agreement that you can live with pending, you know, a further court date. But you certainly have the right to leave. Um, don't ever think you're stuck. You're not. Um, and the fact that you make less money than he does is not something that's going to be used against you when it comes to what's in their best interest of the children. Child support and an alimony in certain circumstances is there to balance the finances for the kids. Okay. So that's never something well david can you explain that more because that's a question natasha and i get a lot about you know he's the breadwinner i've stayed at home for the past eight years i don't have any income i'm not sure what i'm going to do 
I think he, one of the questions we had for you was a woman who says, you know, I, I know he has investment accounts and things that my name is never been on that he says is associated with his business. So he has access to hundreds of thousands of dollars to afford great attorneys. What do you do? I mean, how, what if you're a woman with just $5,000 in her bank account? I mean, look, I can't, the bottom line is people need to call you ASAP. Like, even if you're... A thought pops in your head, you're getting divorced, call David before you do anything. But I mean, how do you, you know, as a woman, I would think, well, how am I going to afford even, you know, 10 hours of your time if all I've got left is five grand? Okay, really good question. And there's a really good answer that your listeners are going to want to hear. And we do it. So so there's there's two answers. Initially, I'm going to say, do you have family or friends that can help you out? Do you have a credit card? Have you applied for credit cards? I have a lot of... Um, people, men and women, that they 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 might have good credit and they haven't applied for credit cards. And nobody wants to use credit cards. I understand that. And some people say, well, no, I'm not going to use a credit card. Well, okay, but if you're in a horrible situation, you can you can use credit cards and you're going to get those credit card bills. You might, but you know, even if you charge, and I'm not trying to get people to spend money they don't need to, but even if it's ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars, your minimum payment's going to be two or three hundred dollars. It might be hard, but you can at least get you to the point of doing it. Do you have family or friends that can help you? If they don't, <clears throat> excuse me, here's something that most people don't know that you can do. And most lawyers, and I do too, require a retainer, at least up front. Say, I, I've got to have $5,000. But in the end, we're going to ask that he pay your attorney's fees. Um, and there's no guarantee that he will. But at least we, as lawyers, we get some money up front. There are cases that I've had, if the husband or the other spouse has a lot of money, there's something in Maryland called suit money, okay? Suit money is money that you can get while a case is pending. So if you have no money at all, but you come to a lawyer and I say, okay, I'm not, well, one, I can't take the case contingency. So if you, we never get the money and you can't pay me, um, I'm not, I can't take a third of what you get in the settlement, but we can ask for suit money when we file. So I essentially would be doing the case, no money down, um, billing out for hours, and I would file a motion with the court. We file the complaint, file the answer, um, and then then you file a motion for suit money saying, hey, judge, um, we're going to have this one year of litigation, and it's going to cost both of us $50,000, and the dude's got $300,000 sitting in his bank account. I need suit money. And in that case, if you can show that, you're going to get suit money. Okay, The judge is going to say, okay, how much do you think you need? Well, I'm anticipating based on history and the experts that I'm going to need, I need $25,000. And if it really is a case where the person has that kind of money, then the court's going to order it. So there is a way to do it, although it's not easy. And most lawyers won't say, okay, fine, I won't take any money up front because you never know what's going to happen. The guy might spend all his money or he might go bankrupt or whatever, and you may get nothing. So we always try to get something. But I've taken cases and I have gotten suit money in cases in that situation. So the answer to your question is, um, the other answer is, what if he has all the money and I don't? Uh, well, let me, that, that's the custody issue and how it will affect that. So I'll, I'll answer that in another question. But that should never be a reason not to call a lawyer just because he's got all the money and you don't have all the money. Put it that way. Yeah. That, and the court recognizes mm-hmm. that. And there is a way around it. Well, you know, one thing I don't think I realized, I know I didn't realize going into my first separation Um, So I assume a lot of women may not know it either, is that you can get interim child support, alimony, interim support and be, you know, like 
temporarily awarded the marital the marital home right. until the divorce because everybody yes. knows divorce can take right like, take uh, years a year but a year and a half and that get support yeah. in the meantime so you can be able to absolutely the lifestyle you're accustomed to and take but care even of that business. even that for say montgomery county even any county even that hearing what we call in maryland we call that a pendente lite you've heard that term pending litigation in latin pending litigation while it's all getting to what we call the final hearing, um, you're getting interim relief. You need to resolve custody, child support, alimony, suit money, attorney's fees. But that can even take three or four months to get a hearing. And that and people don't have that in reserve. Sometimes like, okay, if you have enough money, you can go live with family for six months. You're good to go. We're going to get you into court for six months. I mean, within six months. But we can't promise, well, isn't it an emergency? Well, the answer, unfortunately, is courts in Maryland don't you know, it money is issues so are not hard emergencies. To get an emergency sharing in and, Montgomery and, County. It, it is, and it, understandably and it, so. Exactly. I mean, it, you know, when children are in danger and you could prove it, that's an emergency, and they're not. Yeah, I think it did away. take a good three or four months before I got my PL yeah, here. So, PL, right. Yeah, 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 it was having Takes family help support, and you right. know, the other thing is, you know, if you're both on the house, at least this is the way I thought of it. I was like, Peter's going to keep paying the mortgage because he doesn't want that to affect his credit. He's going to keep paying the bills that both of our names are on because that's going to look bad on him. So it's kind of a game of chicken a little bit, but Mm -hmm. there's ways to do it. But I think the most important takeaway that, Sarah, you said a minute ago is just go ahead and call a lawyer first. Get a game plan together before you even mention separation to your significant other. And I, some lawyers won't I, talk to you unless you can come up with a $10,000 retainer or a $500 consultation fee. Yeah, and you need to leave that lawyer's <laughs> office because well, that's crap. <laughs> but there's many of lawyers, that, many lawyers that will help you out. So, But not uh, David Rubin. He'll talk uh, to you for free. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, he will. He, you can give him a call and have a free consultation. That's still true, right, David? That's still true. Okay. Yes. <laughs> That'll never change. That That's... I've been doing that for 30 years and, and, and many, many lawyers have said to me, David, why are you doing that? That's not how you make money. Um, you know, you can charge for these consults so you make more money. <clears throat> the answer is, well, one, you're just doing that because you don't want me to take your business because you want to get the, um, free, you know, you, you don't want somebody out there who's giving free consults when you're not because they're not going to get to you. But two, I just I can't do that. It's just not, it's just not fair. People, regular people don't know the laws yeah. and it shouldn't be a system that's set up that way. So you have, I mean, the internet is much more helpful than, you know, it used to be before the internet, people didn't know anything. And you can read things on the internet, be careful, always talk to a lawyer before you do something, but at least there's more information out there. But yes, we're always going to give free consultations. Uh, David, one of the other questions, we have a million we could get through, but uh, does it matter who files first? Should I try to beat my spouse to filing was one of the questions. Good question. Um, The answer is, it would, it, it, in my, the way I practice, um, I always like to be, it would, it's usually beneficial to be the first one to file. It, that's oh, really? Question. I didn't well, know that. Well, it depends on, it depends on what you're doing. Like if you're, if you don't want the divorce and you don't want to initiate the litigation and for some reason there's a strategy that, hey, let them file first and, and do it that way, then it can, they can be the ones that are pushing this for whatever reason, whether it's a custody issue or whatever, maybe that's better because your position is, I don't want to end the divorce. I'm not doing anything. Let him do that and spend the money and then have him have to pay for what I'm doing. 
if you both know you're going to file and you both need to file, in my opinion, as a litigator, um, it's always better to be first. People say, oh, my God, he filed first. Does that mean I'm going to lose? Absolutely not. Um, It's a little bit of an advantage, in my opinion. It's like, I guess, getting to kick off um, in a football game. You're the first one to kick off because you first want to score. So in a family law case, um, if you're the moving party, the plaintiff, as we call it, you can, can kind of direct the way the case is going to go. You can call your client first. You can call your experts first. You can always, I, I often will call the other person as my own witness, as what we call an adverse witness. And so I get out everything I want to get out um, in my case. So I always like it when I'm the plaintiff, the moving party, and I can get my case out there first. But don't think just because that doesn't happen, you're going to lose the case because ultimately the, you know, the facts should be the facts and the, and the, the just outcome should occur. Oh, that's good to know. Like yeah. Sarah, I don't know if you remember when we got a question from a woman who was worried that if she filed, that would actually work against her. It would make her seem like, you know, she was the one leaving the marriage. So she was scared to be the first. And you're saying the opposite, that there's some upsides to being the first to file. <laughs> There's definitely yeah, upsides, but I also hopefully prefaced it properly by saying, but it also does depend on the situation. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm sorry, guys. Um, so, yes. Um, if Again, if you're both going to be filing, if you know it's inevitable, I, on behalf of my clients, like to be the first one to file. I think it's advantageous. Mm. You get to go first in opening statement. You get to go first in closing argument. And you get to put on your case first. Um, and that usually first impressions are usually good. And then you get to be the rebuttal. They, they, it's like a criminal case. You know, the state puts on their case and then the defense gets to do it. And then the state gets to rebut and same thing in a civil case. You put on your case, they, they put on their case and then you can see what they've put on and respond to it. So I think you're always in a better trial posture, all things being equal if you're the moving party. How about getting up to five hours of your life back when you sign up for Hungry Root meal prep and delivery service? I'm obsessed. I have ta- I've tried a lot of meal prep boxes. This is one of my favorites. In fact, I actually emailed the client to see if I can get like a year's supply. <laughs> They're like, Sarah, use your own damn code. Anyway, right now, I want you to go to HungryRoot.com slash TSFS because you are getting 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. The average Hungry Root customer saves five hours a week. Ah, that was us. On top of that, um, you can pick from vegetarian, keto, meat, anything that you like. Right now, Hungry Root is offering TSFS listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. As I mentioned, just go to HungryRoot.com slash TSFS to get 40% off your first delivery and get those free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash TSFS. Also, don't forget to use my link so Hungry Root knows who sent you. Yeah. I call him the Nozempic Benon Ozempic doctor. I'm talking about Dr. Applin and his wife who founded My Optimal Body. I am so happy about this. These are the first mindful eating-based doctors I have ever partnered with. They see patients nationwide, and they are seeing more patients who have been on Ozempic, and Ozempic has failed for them. What makes My Optimal Body so unique, and why am I endorsing them? It's because Dr. Applin actually looks at food additives, your, your addiction to food, 
your mental health. They do a whole look at you, including your gut health. Many of Dr. Applin's patients are working out, restricting their diets, and still gaining weight. Why is that? Because something's going on in your body and with your mind. Visit MyOptimalBody.com to request an appointment. Be sure to tell them the Sarah Fraser Show sent you so you can qualify for a free personalized assessment, plus a bonus free 30-day supply of their gut repair product when you sign up for a customized plan. Again, that's MyOptimalBody.com to request an appointment. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. David, I'm curious what your thoughts are, what you kind of, what you think the temperature is of the family law system right now regarding custody. In the past, I think a lot of people had the preconception that the woman gets majority custody because she's the mom and dads, you know, get every other weekend. Um, and now it's, I, I feel like there's a lot of, it's almost automatic 50-50 unless you have good reasons that it shouldn't be. Is that something that women need to go into it with the mindset of that's probably going to happen? No, they don't need to go into it with the mindset of what's going to happen. And if they do, then um, then they may be missing out on what really could happen. So the answer is... Uh, I don't have all the answers, but my opinion of what the answer is, is that, yes, over the last 30, 40 years, um, the, the court, well, I think it used to be many, many years ago that there was a maternal preference that actually was in the law before like mm-hmm. 1970 or something like that, which is how the country was, you know, was. And then they, you know, took away that, obviously. <clears throat> but the reality is um Judges nowadays will are required to go over certain factors to determine what is in the best interest of the children. And I, I firmly believe that every judge will go over those factors and do what he or she is best for those kids in that situation. That's always the key for judges to recognize. And they do, most of them, every household and every child and every parent and every work schedule and every activity combined is different in every case. So is there a sense more so than in the past that moms and dads should be equally parenting the children? Sure. Um, But there's no presumption in the law, although some people would like there to be a presumption. Um, The legislatures and some states do have a presumption. We're going to start from 50-50 and go otherwise. We don't have that in Maryland. They're trying to do that in Ohio. They're trying to pass that now that it's Automatic 50-50, unless there's some yeah. other reason, which is like, what if you have, you know, a it, nursing it, infant or something? It's crazy. It, it doesn't make sense. What makes sense is what actually has been happening, um, which, which is an interesting question, you know, to defend fathers a lot. <clears throat> what has been happening? Okay, moms generally not necessarily stay home anymore, but it it's fair to say that in our society, for whatever reason, moms do more of the work, uh, especially when they're young, obviously when they're breastfeeding. Um, but beyond that, do more of the work and do more of the household things. That's just the way it is. But if it truly was the opposite, where dad was stay at home and mom was going to work or whatever, then dad would have the advantage in that case because it would be in the children's best interest 
to do that, um, to continue that. Um, I was thinking of something that I was going to say. Um, however, this is something that dad should should know and mom should know, too, because a, a lot of moms make this argument and it doesn't work very well. Well, I've been doing everything for the past year and he hasn't really been doing anything at all. All he does is work and come home. And the answer is, OK, well, was that kind of what you all was the agreement was that you all were doing that? Yeah. I mean, my job was to do most of the stuff with the baby and he was going to work and earning his money. And now all of a sudden that we're separating, he wants to become a big part of the child's life. And the answer is, well, maybe that's a good thing. Um, you know, maybe he should become a part, you know, just because he hasn't didn't participate very much during the pregnancy, especially, you know, with unmarried couples, let's say didn't participate in the and he only had came over once every week for two hours um, during the, and this happens with young people too, more so than with older people when they have kids, not older, you know, thirties as opposed to twenties or yeah. teens. Um, you know, so, you know, you should applaud the fact that he wants to be involved at this time and become more involved in once 50, 50, but does really, does 50, 50 really, does that make sense when he really hasn't been a part of that child's life? Because that's not what the child is used to. So the answer is there's all variations of it. There's no set rules that anybody should use. And again, call a lawyer on the phone and you say, and I say, well, what's been happening? What What's a day like in your household? What routines have you done? Is your child, for, for some reason, you know, more attached? We have kids, well, my child's in the autism spectrum and it's more difficult to change for my child so it doesn't make sense even though he's the father and he wants to miss be active and he lives two blocks down and he's a good dad my child's not going to be used to it so every case is different and you have mm -hmm. to talk to a lawyer and try to figure out um what it's going to be the, the worst thing that people can do and it's what everybody does as litigants is they hear these hard and fast rules i have men call me well everybody's telling me that you know mom's going to get custody and there's nothing i can do is that true of course it's not true but yet they act on that before they get the advice and it hurts them in the long run so oh, talk to a lawyer. okay well this is from a woman that kind of adds to what you're saying she says i'm the breadwinner in my marriage my husband hasn't worked in four years do i have to disclose all my income he's a good dad i don't mind even having 50 50 custody with him but i don't want to end up supporting him is there anything I can do? Yeah. Uh, there's, there's no gender bias in Maryland. And so, yeah. so you're going to have to support you know, him. Okay. I mean, it depends on how much money she makes and how much mm -hmm. money he makes or how old the child is. If the child's under two, then the the custodial parent, if the, he's been the custodial stay-at-home parent. In other words, the answer is it's no different than if you were the man and he was the woman. And if you were the man... Um, I mean, if you were the woman staying home or the person staying home, you'd be like, I need money to support myself. And mm. they're not going to treat anyone any differently, and is it, not any single judge. You, and you to, certainly should be prepared to disclose all your finances. And you certainly should. You. Yeah, okay. That's going to happen whether you like it or not. And okay. you sound, you're right. you sound like it. money, like the one who said, I feel like he's got other investments in other places and my name's not on them. You make sure you have a good lawyer that's going to make him be thoroughly transparent about all of that because it's all it's all factored in and it's all you know marital income yep um what about this my marriage has been over for years but not finalized is it okay to start dating other people i don't live with my spouse but wondering if it will have an impact on our case good question 
Um, the answer is no. It, it probably won't have any effect on your marriage. In other words, if you've been separated for many, many years, my guess would be that you're both happy with the financial allocation and division at this point anyway. Meaning if you're separated for many years, whatever, many years, let's say five or more, probably not an alimony case, unless the person has been paying you money, even though you're separated, which some people do a lot for health insurance reasons. They want to stay on their spouse's health insurance. But the answer is cause of the breakup is what is a, could be a factor or isn't a factor that the court has to consider and give it the weight that it chooses in an alimony or monetary award situation, cause of the breakup. So if you start seeing somebody three years after you separate, well, that's impossible that that caused the breakup. So it wouldn't be there. Now, if again, there are situations where five years down the road, maybe mom was living in the home and dad was paying mortgage for those five years. And so in a sense, he's been paying alimony and now dad finds a new girl, wants to get divorced, files for divorce. Mom says, can I go see somebody? The answer is yes, it can't cause the breakup, but from a financial standpoint, even down the road, what you don't want to do is go live with somebody and share expenses. Or if you do share expenses, that's okay too, but it's going to be considered if you're still fighting over alimony and monetary award, meaning division of property. If there aren't going to be any issues like that, 100% no, it doesn't matter what you do. Even if there are going to be issues, the answer is if you've been separated for a while, it really has no effect. If it's a custody situation and you haven't resolved it yet and there's still issues and you're bringing a new person around kids, that could be a factor. But again, a couple of years after separation, probably not. Mm. I hope that answers the question. So with, and and I, the, well, the rule of thumb is- saying, Well, with what you're saying, kind of with the second half of it about, um, you know, like if he's paying towards them or if you're now you're having shared income, that could affect your case. I just want to make sure I understand. Is that kind of like, I remember I got in trouble with my lawyers once um, because, you know, we were living in that Potomac mansion and it had an insane mortgage. And I just emotionally, I just wanted to get out of that house and move move on. So probably a year into our separation, but before we were divorced, I moved into a rental that was a third of the price of what the mortgage had been. Uh -huh. And my lawyer like chewed me out. He's like, why didn't you ask me first? Because now you don't need as much money in alimony because you, if you would have stayed in the expensive house, your expenses would have been higher. But now that you're in a rental that's cheaper, we can't justify asking him for the same amount of money. Is that kind of like the same concept you were describing? Yeah, but that's just, the, I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll be straight. That's just the definition of a lawyer being an asshole. Okay. <laughs> oh, um, I, mean, I mean, you oh. wanted to move out. And, and causing problems and, you know, and, and creating litigation, if that's the kind of, you know, advice that a lawyer is going to give, why, why would you move out so you can get more in alimony? First of all, alimony is modifiable. So even if you got more, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense, but you, it sounds to me like for your mental health and for your kids, you are trying to make the decision to downsize, which is better for your kids. And if your mortgage is a third less, then you don't need as much money, or maybe you do, but maybe you don't, but that that irritates you know and those are the kind of things that i don't hear people say that often because i talk to, I, the only people i talk to are the people i talk to um so but 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 i suspect that other attorneys say things to people like that which are not 
in my opinion, um, in the children's best interest or in their client's best interest or in anybody's best interest. And I'm not even saying the lawyer is doing that for his or her own best interest to make more money on the case or to encourage litigation. I'm saying that, that there's a lot of lawyers that actually think that is the right way to practice. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's the right way to practice. That's it. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, that was the idea is let's give you the most money possible. Great. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that just you but, really need to have your goals be in line with your lawyers, because for me, the most important thing is I just want to be happy with my kids and I don't right, necessarily right. need that much money. Right. So you would say um, I'm thinking about I mean, if you had said I'm moving, is that bad? Well, why'd you move if you hadn't told me before you moved? Because this is why I moved. OK, so this is the analysis of how much alimony would be reasonable in this scenario. Um, it, anyway, so but the answer is. Yes, your monthly expenses post-separation, if alimony and marital property division are not resolved, are important, but they are what they are. You know, you, you know I'm not going to tell somebody to go out and get a place for $3,700 a month when they don't need to, because one, a judge might think that's unreasonable. And it all depends on the amount of money. If you acquire money or assets or whatever post-separation, but pre your divorce being finalized mm -hmm. in Maryland, that's still considered mar marital income that you have it, to share? It's not, not income, marital property. Marital property? So it is marital. Well, you don't have to share it. It's marital property. There are some states that say once you get separated and you're not living together anymore, anything you acquire is no longer part of the marital estate. That's not Maryland. After you, after you separate, but before you divorce, it is marital property. Um, unless it's by gift, inheritance, or source from a, th another source. But can it be divided? Well, in Maryland, it's equitable. Would it be fair in that scenario to divide that property? And there's a whole bunch of factors. There's a whole bunch of factors that go into it. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Um, and what we say is factor eight, which is how and when certain property is acquired is one of the major factors that the court looks at. So the fact that it was acquired after the separation, but before the divorce is an interesting factor to look at. So that's the Alston, the, the lottery. She had nothing to do with that. The income, she had everything to do with that. And then you've got the case, you're married for two years and you separate for 20. And then you go out and make, you know, you hit it big, you, you, you join a band and you make $10 million. You're not divorced yet. Is it marital property? Yes. Is it subject to equitable division? Yes. Does it make any sense for the spouse when you've been separated for 20 years to get any of it? No. So they're not going to get any of it. So it's all fact specific and it kind of makes sense in the final analysis. That makes any sense at all. What do you advise your, oh yeah. Do you advise your clients once they've separated, like right after you separate to change things like who's the benefactor on your life insurance, um, what your wishes are in your will. Cause you know, when you're married, it's just automatically your spouse yes. is your emergency contact, your benefactor, everything. Yeah. Do you recommend that people change that stuff we right do. after they separate? We do. And if I may plug our firm, we have now a separate two attorneys who do estate planning as well. So a lot of times when people come in for their divorce cases, even before divorce, but you know, while you're separated, there are certain things that you can change. There are certain things you can't really change when you're still married, um, but there are certain things that you can change and it's probably a good idea to do so. Certainly after the divorce is final, you want to update all your estate planning documents as well to make sure that everything's in line. So 
we provide that yes, service. I need now, to, so. I'm going to be giving you guys a call. I need to set <laughs> okay. up with Alyssa and do all that because I haven't done any of that. And if I, you know, God forbid, was hit by a bus tomorrow, I, ugh. That would not um that would not all be pan out according to my wishes. Well, you know, thinking no. of being hit, talking about getting hit by a bus, we do personal injury as well. <laughs> <laughs> so. I know I, I like now when we do our <laughs> I didn't know that. When we do our ads <laughs> do. for you, we I'm do. like, you can do it all here at at Ruben yeah. Law. I mean, you can get yeah. divorced, create your will and you look can. if you get and arrested. Somebody. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, we, we we do. We do just about everything. Now, me personally, I do the divorce. That's what I've been doing for mostly. We also do some tr criminal and traffic work as well, which I've done for many, many years and I can do. And we have an attorney who does serious criminal work and we have estates and planning and we have personal injury car accident attorneys as well. So, yeah, we want to be a full service law firm um, to, to help you whatever you need. Yeah, one that's, step that's shop. I like that. Well, that. That's the goal. And if it's something we don't do, that's OK. You call us and we'll say, OK, here's somebody reputable and you can go to this person. That's what we do. Um, David, I just have two last questions because obviously we could talk to you for two hours. Um, but one, I found this one to actually be funny. Somebody wanted to know what happens to their season tickets in their divorce, which, you know, <laughs> we can all hope Good that question. that's the biggest all the time. issue. <laughs> really? <laughs> so you have season it, it, tickets it, it, to the commanders uh, and you've had them for three years and you've been married for five. I don't know what happens. Well, if you bought them together during the marriage, if one of them had a, before the marriage, well, it's no different than a property. Okay. It's, it's, it's a piece of property and there's a value that put on it. So if it was purchased by you all during the marriage and it cost $6,000, then if you all can't agree on what happens to it, then, and it, I mean, it depends on, I don't know. I don't know, depending on the season tickets, is it in one person's name or the other person's name? Like I know with pets sometimes, which the court can't fight over custody of pets, but sometimes whose pet is it? Well, when I bought the pet, I went to the pet store and on the certificate of the American Veterinary Society, it said it's my pet. So does that like a car title? It's my title. So with season tickets, I don't know how it comes originally. How's it titled? Because does one person just have the ability to sell them without the consent of the other? But in generally, you know, if it's acquired during the marriage, you're going to have to put a value to it, which may be more or less than it was when you got married, depending on how good the team is. And you would go get if it's a super amount of money, you would get an expert to tell you what it is or you would look online and you would try to find and it would just be another asset. Again, if it was in husband's name and it was worth six thousand, then wife would get three thousand theoretically if it was equitable. If they were both, then I guess the judge could say you get one ticket and you get one ticket if it was joint. All right, David, final question. Every lawyer, every family law attorney seems to has, have a different take on this. But do you recommend always signing a prenup regardless of like, you know, let's say you're 30. You both don't really have much. You each make 100 grand a year. I don't, you know, divorce just, I listen to this with you and I think I'm going to, my husband's signing a post snop like this. Is, I mean, it's just, you never know. And then shit hits the fan and it's crazy. I, you know, I don't recommend it. I, I don't recommend <laughs> it. I mean, the, the easy an, the easy answer is yes. Everybody should have a prenup. Everybody should have a will. Everybody should do this. Everybody should do this. I mean, it's a, it's a, if both people want it, then that's fine. Okay. Um, but it's not necessary. And, and ordinarily, by the way, prenups are not necessary. You, you don't need a prenup to protect the property that you had prior to the marriage. Some people think there is. 
to the extent that that property grows during the marriage, a prenup is going to protect you. Sometimes there'll be an alimony provision that says there's not going to be alimony down the road, but that's not always enforceable because it's a thing in the future and child support and custody, it's nothing to do with prenups. So um, I, I think that it it's not necessary unless the person, you know, you can raise the issue to somebody before the marriage, but um, unless the people are on board and they really want it, unless there's, you know, a huge business that's going to appreciate or something like that. I, 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 I don't want to say the word is necessary. Okay. Um, it, it can't hurt as long as both people are comfortable with it, but I've seen it, you know, it's, you know, you want to say, well, it's got nothing to do with whether or not we think we're going to get divorced or not. We're in love with each other. We're going to be together forever. On the other hand, you know, it's something that can, I've seen it cause people problems even before they get married because because usually it's a lot of times it's pushed by family members <laughs> the future in-laws yeah. so you're already starting off on the wrong foot so i don't think it's something for lawyers to encourage unless you're talking about millionaires that that's fine and that's a different story um but otherwise i don't think it's absolutely necessary Got that's it. my take okay I don't know. you don't need a post snub sarah <laughs> Well, I know you're going to be the next Oprah, but Schman will be right there with you. Oh, I'm post-nup. sure I'll be writing checks to Schman and his 24-year-old uh, girlfriend, you know, in 20 years. So there you go. You know, <laughs> that isn't that how it always happens? You work so hard and you make 10 million dollars, and you, you either give it to your child's horrible girlfriend or your exes. So that's you know, but it'll be fun to make it, and then great you to know give what? it away. At least you're coming to terms with it now. <laughs> I mean, I think that's really helping. KJ will, you know, if Dan's not with some bimbo, KJ will be. So, you know, one or the other is going to benefit. But what can you do? You have fun making it. manifestation. Can't control the rest. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So I just had one last question before we wrap things up because I know we've kept you here for a while. I know we could talk forever. But um, my last question would be. At, let's talk about like, you know, at the very beginning, maybe from the month before you separate up to like the first three months after you separate, what is the one mistake that you see clients make over and over again that you wish you could just like tell their future self, don't do this one thing? They put things in writing in text messages and emails that they should not put in writing in text messages and emails. And they talk to friends and they make threats and they do things like that and they include their kids so it's it's their words (laughs) it's their words that get them in trouble whether it's in writing or verbally so when you're going through that process you should talk to an attorney and and just be cool that's that should be my just be cool because you know not saying things well on the on the other hand see there's always on the other hand there are some people don't communicate at all with their spouse and that can backfire on them with regard to the children because mm-hmm. they're like, I'm not going to talk to you at all. And I'm going to go and, you know, so it's it's but it's their word. You asked me the number one. There's a lot of things people do, um, but their their number one is is their words and their communication. And they need to know that everything just like you said earlier, Natasha, everything is going to be discovered. The process is such that we don't have surprises in court and phone records are going to be discovered and you know, Facebook posts are going to be discovered. So be careful what you put in writing and how you act and what you do and what you say things to people, especially for custody cases, but for money cases also to some extent, because 
I'm telling you, two years down the road, one text message that goes in front of a judge can turn the whole case because it says mm. who you truly are. Even right. if you, it, it, it usually will say who you truly are before you've gotten an attorney to tell you exactly what to and what not to say. Um, so just be careful with that. Oh my God. Oh my gosh. That's such good advice. I know, David, this is like, I was telling you before we started, I'm, I'm trying, you know, I'm going through a separation now and it's a very amicable separation, but even then I think I've just trained my brain from my first divorce that anything you post out there, anything you text or you say you do think about it all through the lens of how would this look to a judge? You know, is how is this going to make me look? Is this going to make me portray like my true self as a mother, as I really am? Or is this going to be interpreted other ways, which is a crappy way to live, but it's temporary and it's important. So Mm -hmm. I like that advice. I think that's really spot on. Oh, my God. Thank you for your time, David. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. You can do all day long. All day long, mdlaws.com. You can schedule a free consultation right there. You can retain David. David has an expertise of nearly 30 years in dealing with difficult spouses, whether you're a guy, whether you're a woman, whether you're, you know, like David said, you're not married, but you're dealing with a child custody issue. David's terrific. And all this great advice can be yours. So mdlaws.com. David, thank you so much. Thank you. It's good to see both of you. Bye. Great to see you, David. Bye. Bye. Talk to you later.